Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome back to the podcast that's always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. I'm Mark Daly. I'm your host. It's Thursday night or Friday morning, depending where you are. So that means it is time to talk Formula One here on the show. And as always, we are now just mere hours away from the next practice session, the first practice session of the weekend at the Tuscan Grand Prix at Mugello. Really looking forward to to this one. I don't know if you guys had a chance to check it out, uh, but go over to F1.com. And uh, Charles Leclerc, uh, Leclerc does a, uh, a lap around Mugello in uh, one of the, it uh, looks like a, an older Ferrari, sounds like an older Ferrari. Uh, it's missing a halo, but uh, sounds wonderful. And it looks like re- a really, really good track that they're going to go to. I mean, uh, for those of you that are uh, MotoGP fans, I'm sure you know that, but we're going to get to that uh, as we go on through the show today. Uh, First off, uh, before we get going, just want to let you guys know we got some stuff going on on the back end here as we we do uh, take uh, care of some uh, some just basic housekeeping and some things like that. So you might have to update your RSS feed and hopefully this doesn't disappear from your feed altogether. We're not going anywhere. So hopefully if uh, you're hearing my voice well i know if you're hearing my voice that uh, that everything has gone okay so uh, certainly things like this can be a little bit uh, disruptive so that'll probably take uh, you know happen over the next couple of days and uh, hopefully it goes nice and straightforward so well let's get into it and there is no shortage of news to discuss uh, this week and the big news of the week is well it's been out there for a little bit but it was finally confirmed that four-time world champion and current uh, Ferrari driver Sebastian Sebastian Vettel going to Racing Point, or as you're going to be known next year, is uh, Aston Martin. So this is, uh, I think this is a good move for Sebastian. Uh, obviously, things have not been going very good at at, at Ferrari, and uh, clearly after the year that he had last year, was you could tell that there was a shift in the dynamic in the team that uh, that that was more Charles Leclerc team than than uh, Sebastian Vettel's. And uh, obviously, this year has just been an awful year for for, for both of them. You know, especially as uh, Sebastian and uh, you know the, these guys now are closer to Williams than they are in uh, than they are to uh, Mercedes in terms of uh, pace and you know not getting uh, out of uh, Q three and then you know the the retirement that Sebastian had with uh, with the brake problems and then Charles's huge moment and just the, the, all the things that have been going on and just the turmoil off the track. I mean. I don't doubt at uh, at that uh, at any uh, with any measure that Ferrari is not going to figure it out. I just think that it's going to take a, a while because uh, this thing I think is a little bit like a freight train and it's not going to stop on a dime. It's it's not like a sports car. It's not like a Formula One car to be more uh, precise, like the whole Ferrari organization. I mean, but uh, they they they've got some issues there, and I think it's going to take uh, some time to, to to sort it out. But uh, like I say, I think it's a good move uh, for Seb. I think it comes at the right time, and certainly with uh, the results that uh, we've seen for uh, you know for for Racing Point uh, this year, uh, you know they've got a pretty competitive car uh you know there's a, a whole you know this this whole 
thing that's gone around with the uh you know the the copying and the and all that uh, that i think that is that's a little bit uh, different i mean that's was all focused on the uh you know the the brake ducts but the whole concept of the pink mercedes they you know, they've gone through it they seem to have figured out uh you know the mercedes uh well i would say they've completely figured out their concept but they've been able to adapt it enough uh, to their own car to the rp20 but uh i i think like i say i think it's a good move they're going to a team that's on the up it's got uh you know they they seem to be in the right place. They've got a lot of investment coming to the team. They got a good car, but they need a really, really. Uh, I, I think they need that next level driver. I mean, nothing against uh, Sergio Perez. I mean, he's done some fantastic work uh, in his time with uh, with Racing Point and Force India. Stand up guy, and uh, he's delivered some results for them. But in all fairness, I think that uh, when, when you're you're comparing Sebastian Vettel and uh, and and Sergio Perez. I think there's a, a little bit uh, in terms of difference uh, between the, the the two guys. But I mean, if you look right now at the constructors' uh, standings, uh, you, you look right now. Okay, so we got Mercedes a million miles ahead, then you got uh, Red Bull, you know, a hundred thousand miles ahead. Then you got the best of the rest. You got McLaren in third place with ninety eight points. You know, they're doing uh, really really well uh, the, this year. They're still on the uh, you know resurgent, or they're enjoying their renaissance, and uh, you know hopefully that uh, continues. But then you look fourth in the constructors' uh, championship at the moment is is racing point with 82 points so they're kind of sandwiched in there between uh, McLaren in third and Renault in fifth. And it's, it's really, really tight. But I mean, they, they really have been able to, uh, you know, launch themselves forwards in, in terms of a performance. I mean, the, the, the last couple of years, especially, well, I mean, two years ago, I mean, they were just uh, basically on life support until uh, Lawrence Stroll and his group came along and and, and bought out the team. And uh, I mean, I, re- I really thought at that point uh, that they were going to go, uh, you know, by like uh, by the way of like Caterham and other teams that uh, that we've seen disappear throughout the years and decades in Formula One, but you know Stroll was in the right place at the right time. I mean, he certainly invested a lot of money in the team. He's uh, certainly invested a lot of mon- uh, money in the the Aston Martin, the, the the parent company as well. So, and and you can see, I mean, even a couple of years ago when he came in, I mean that that first half of the season they just really weren't going anywhere. I mean they they were down compared to where they were in terms of pace and performance when they were Force India. And uh, they, for all intents and purposes, they were just kind of, I wouldn't say they were phoning it in. That's just a little bit too, too harsh. But you could tell that the the, the fact that, uh, you know, Vijay Malia, the, the previous owner and the, the problems that he was having, uh, you know, legally and uh, with all the problems he was having, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, his own legal problems where I think that was obviously going over to the team in terms of the amount of money that was going being invested in there. But uh, Stroll has come in and when he took over the team, I mean, you could tell almost, uh, you know, I would say immediately, but within a race or two, you could tell that just even having that uh, that that injection of cash just to get the the, the team up and running again made uh, made a difference and uh, they they became a little bit uh, you know a little bit more competitive and certainly that's uh, continued uh, a little bit uh, over time and especially from last year to this year we've seen a big leap forward in in, in terms of uh, performance for the racing point but they they need that next level driver and i think that sebastian and I don't fault him at all for going for, for uh, to Ferrari, and it's been up and down. I mean, we we have to be uh, you know we, we have to recognize it that it, it hasn't gone completely to plan. He wanted to win a world championship with Ferrari, very much in the you know, following the footsteps of his his mentor uh, Michael Schumacher, and who wouldn't who would not want to be a driver for Ferrari in Formula One, the most iconic mark in the world in in Formula One. I mean, they're celebrating their thousandth Grand Prix in Formula One this weekend uh, at Mugello. 
yellow. And, uh, but I mean, it is a little bit uh, tainted. Um, you know, it, it is not, uh, as clean and as shiny and as, uh, you know, as, as, as good as he'd want it to be, because I mean, he's had his struggles. I mean, some of it's down to him, some of it's down to the team. And the, the, the fact is that over the last year or so, I think that car has been very, very difficult to drive. I mean, this year, certainly, I mean, the amount of problems that, uh, that both of these drivers ever had, but he's now going to a team that's on the ascendancy. They're, they're in a good place right now, but like I say, they need a guy to, to really take them forward and make them legitimate. I, I think the breath, breath of fresh air and the opportunity to do something that completely new is going to be um, a good point or a good thing for Sebastian to do. Anyway, so he was asked about it this week and he said that he was very close to retiring from, from Formula One. And as, as the weeks and months have gone on since it was announced that he was not going to be coming back to Ferrari the, you know, for next year, that because it was very weird, right? I mean, that there, there was the, the reports coming out at the time was, uh, you know, earlier the spring and late in the winter that all signs were pointing towards Sebastian Vettel getting a new contract with Ferrari going back there in 2021. But you could just kind of tell the atmosphere. He would be playing second fiddle to uh, Charles Leclerc. He was no longer going to be the number one driver. But, you know, things turned out a, a little bit differently. They, they announced he wouldn't be coming back. And very soon thereafter, they announced uh, Carlos Sainz was coming in. And yeah, it, it's, it's been kind of weird, but it, and as, as other opportunities, say legitimate ones, uh, seem to disappear. I mean, you, you know, Total Wolf said at one point that you know, he'd be an option they'd have to consider. Red Bull, they kind of uh, talked about it a little bit in public, but said that they wouldn't be, you know, he was a little bit too pricey for them. Then the, the, the Renault thing disappeared. What with, uh, Fernando Alonso coming back. And I mean, honestly, I mean, we couldn't see Sebastian legitimately going to a, a team like Alfa Romeo or, or or Haas or something like that, right? So I was starting to lean more towards the fact that he might be going towards the, you know, take a year out or maybe retiring and, and or, you know, if you go with the former, maybe take that year out and see which seats, uh, you know, come available after, you know, the, you know this time next year, because it, it always does. Anyway, so he's admitted himself that he was very close to retiring from Formula One, uh, but uh, he was um, he was won over, as he put it, uh, by the potential that he he sees in going to Aston Martin in the in the direction that's uh, going in. Anyways, he he was asked, uh, you know, how close he was to retirement. Seb had to say, "quote close," but there's a measure of how close can you get. It was close in terms of having a lot of thoughts, and I have to put myself first in that regard. What's best for me? I've decided now. I believe that it's the best for me, and I'm looking forward to prove that end quote so yeah well there you go it's uh i, I guess uh when, when you're at that level and you lose that opportunity maybe to be racing at the front of the grid um you know i'm i mean he's we've won four world championships and you've won a whole lot of races for a team like ferrari i really couldn't see a guy like sebastian vettel really settling for for you know going to another team that really doesn't give him that opportunity to be competitive to fight for podiums and wins and potentially world championships. So, I mean, it is by no means a slam dunk that uh, that Racing Point is going to give him that opportunity. But, I mean, they are doing a lot of things right. So they, they're investing a lot of money in the company. I mean, as I was saying just now, clearly the car at this moment is uh, competitive. So, I mean, there are a lot of things that if you're a guy like Sebastian Vettel, why would you not consider it? And uh, obviously he, he's considered it enough and um, he's, uh, you know, he, he figures it's worth... Uh, the, the chance to, to take it. I mean, Seb's only 33. I mean, he's a couple of years long, younger than Lewis Hamilton. 
Not that that really has a lot to do in this day and age uh, compared to in, in the past. I mean, uh, you know, top level guys, uh, athletes in, in any sport seem to be able to go a lot longer and, you know, than, than they did in the past. Uh, but maybe that's just uh, my perception. Anyway, Seb also went on to say, quote, it wasn't an easy call because the last weeks and months have been quite intense for me. It's different and new situation for me to be in. As I put it uh, from day one, I felt like I wanted to remain in Formula One if something that really attracts. It was getting more and more clear that the team's performances this year have been very encouraging. And I think even more than that is where the regulations are going into hopefully more and more level playing field. I think uh, it will be a lot of first and uh, the first time for the team to be in a position to have probably the same money as the other teams and show what they are capable of. So anything I can do to help, I'm very excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. Things are obviously coming in the, the right time in terms of announcement. It has not been a, a long time since it was final. Obviously, Checo, Sergio Perez, made the announcement last night, and then I think it was only right to, to respond straight away, end quote. Yeah, well, I mean, that that's another thing. I mean, that's been out there for several weeks now. I mean, uh, uh, Sergio Perez uh, said that uh, he, as far as he was concerned, he had a, a contract with them for next year. The relationship with the team was there, and as, as far as he was concerned, that he, uh, he would uh, be going back. I mean, that changed a couple of uh, days ago and uh you know Perez uh you know he said that uh well he said quote uh, nobody told me anything end quote about uh, racing point uh, exit so he's uh, the the one uh, now in the the, the uh, game of uh, formula 1 uh, musical chairs that's uh, left uh, standing when the the music is uh, turned off and uh, anyways uh, Checo went on to say quote nobody told me anything but I already knew and figured out a couple of things final confirmation came yesterday it's fine 7 years with the team i know everything has a beginning and also an end and we still have nine races to make each other proud, end quote. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's got to be, uh, you know, quite uh, disappointing and, uh, and frustrating for a guy like uh, Sergio Perez. I mean, he has done, I, th- I think, a very, very good job for the team. And uh, and uh, certainly, I mean, uh, nobody likes to be left out uh, like that. But um, like I say, I mean, uh, clearly there is a difference uh, between uh, Sebastian Vettel and, uh, and uh, Sergio Perez. Anyways, Lewis Hamilton, he says that uh, jo- uh, Sebastian going to, to Aston Martin is a great move for the team. And uh, I think that's, uh, you know, a, a very, very, uh, you know, I think that's a very classy thing to, uh, you know, uh, uh, Lewis to say of his uh, uh, rival. And uh, he also says that, uh, that the team is going in the ideal uh, direction for, for, for Sebastian. Anyways, uh, Lewis had to say, quote, honestly, I thought it's the ideal direction that he was going to go. So I thought it would happen. I was really uh, pleased to hear it because the team has new ownership, has already taken a huge step forwards in its uh, performance and it can continue to grow. But I personally, and maybe I'm biased, but I believe that experience counts for a huge amount. He's obviously had a difficult time at Ferrari, but he's a four-time world champion and could help steer that team even further in a gooder direction in terms of car development. I think you should uh, never take that for granted. It's a great move for the team end quote so yeah well Lewis obviously approves and uh certainly uh Sebastian uh is uh, well I mean it's going to be a difficult uh, couple of months uh but uh you know Sebastian's a, a professional I'm sure he'll do the right thing uh, for Ferrari and uh, certainly do everything he can to uh you know do what he needs to do before the uh, the end of the year anyways uh, time here for a break on the uh, the overtime uh, media network and I just wanted to talk right now about uh our sponsor for this week uh, my bookie just want to let you guys know that winning season returns in my booking, and that means doubling your first deposit. 
Winning season means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. At MyBookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. So rejoice, the NFL has returned, and that means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. So get in on the action by using promo code OVERTIME and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games that you bet. So bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. So use the promo code OVERTIME and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today, but only at my bookie. And Overtime is going all in for our listeners this month. We are giving away $500 cash to one lucky person who takes advantage of this offer. When you make your first deposit, take a screen grab of your MyBookie account and email it to overtime at advertisecast.com. That's overtime at advertisecast.com. $500 $500 given away at the end of September. All right, well, let's uh, talk about uh, Sebastian Vettel's current team, and that uh, current team is obviously uh, Ferrari. And I don't know what to, to, to make of this admission by uh, team principal uh, Matteo Bonato. I don't know if he's being honest. I don't know if he's uh, in a little bit of a denial, or I think, well, it's it's probably, he's, I think he's being honest, but uh, I'm not sure how much he's in denial, if at all. But he still maintains that uh, Ferrari is not in a crisis uh, despite the double DNF at the Italian Grand Prix. And that's the first time they've had a double DNF at their home Grand Prix in 25 years. I believe the last time that happened was in, uh, in 1995. So uh, as I said, just uh, before the break, Seb retired after six la- uh, laps with a brake failure. Uh, Charles obviously had a massive crash when uh, he lost it, uh, accelerating through Parabolica. Uh, and well, that was it. I mean, a completely different uh, end to the the, the race than uh, than this time last year. Obviously, uh, Monza 2019 was di- uh, disastrous for uh, Seb. I mean, he spun out in the uh, the Ascari bend, and then he uh, took out uh, Lance Stroll coming back, and then he got uh, penalized for it. Whereas Charles, I mean, he was the rock star of the day, and that was when the tide really changed. Then you know, they, I mean, Charles winning that race in the manner that he did at Monza in front of all the Tifosi, that really was that uh, that that bench mark moment when uh, Charles was the new guy at uh, at uh, for for Ferrari but i mean you know things change a lot in a year i mean uh, obviously we can uh, apply that to almost any angle of life at uh, at the moment but anyways, uh, Bonato said, despite the uh, you know the form that uh, they had at Spa, and then um, he said after that it wasn't a crisis; they were just uh, in a, what he called a storm. And he still feels that uh, despite the double DNF at, at Monza, nothing ha- has changed. And uh, he said, uh, "quote I think we're not in a crisis the last time, and I confirm that is not the case. I can conclude today that uh, it was a bad conclusion to a difficult race, especially when you have reliabi- reliability issues such as the one Seb had." This is the worst conclusion to a difficult weekend, but it's more important that we look forward and consider these lessons, learn for the future, and the team can become stronger, end quote. Well, you know, that, that that's fair enough. But when you're a team like Ferrari, when you've got decades of experience uh, befo- uh, behind you, uh, do you really need to be learning these lessons at the, at this point? Should you not be the one of the benchmark teams up there? I mean, should they not be similar to uh, to, to to Mercedes? I mean, they have been the model of perfection in Formula One 
for the past uh, number of years, certainly since uh, 2014. I mean, what this team has done in this time, like in the Fizix Turbo Hybrid era, is absolutely astou- astounding. I mean, count the number of uh, mechanical DNFs that they've had on, you know, you'd probably struggle to do it on one hand. I mean, the point is, it doesn't happen very often. And anytime that they've had an issue, they've always gone away and they've gone, you know, they've doubled down, they've worked hard, they've rolled up their sleeves and all those things, and they've come back and they've figured out the problem they've always come back uh, stronger or if they've had uh, a disastrous weekend and uh, i mean take hockenheim last year i mean that was a bizarre race uh, anyways because of the, uh, the, the the wet weather and all that but still that, that, that was not a good race they come back you know, whenever they, they they have diversity like that they come back i mean ferrari should be in that same position they they should have the experience they should have the knowledge they should have the the the, the wherewithal and the, the the capability to turn this thing around sooner rather than later and that's why i think that if you're a ferrari fan you've got to be pretty discouraged at the moment that the brass is coming out and saying yeah you know what we've got a problem and you know what it's also going to take us a couple of years to get out of this i mean they're realistically targeting 2022 because I mean, obviously, what with COVID and everything that's happened in Formula One, the cars that we have now are just a development on last year's cars, and next year's cars are going to be a development on this year's cars. We're basically sort of, kind of, but not really racing the same car for 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 three years. I mean, it's obviously going to evolve over that period of time, but when we go into 2022, it's going to be completely different. Now, Ferrari obviously got it wrong with the uh, with with the aerodynamic package on the car last year. This year, the, you know, it's still obviously got issues. There's lots of questions about the power unit. And, uh, well, I mean, the things that are just happening, just, it looks bad. I mean, it is just really, I, I think it's nothing short of embarrassing for a team like for, for Ferrari. And I think old man Ferrari, Enzo himself, must be rolling in his grave, just looking at the way that uh, this team has fallen so quickly, so, and, and so far. And like I was saying off the top of the show, I mean, this, this is a, a team this is a team with a car that is closer in terms of uh, of pace to the, the the bottom dwellers in formula one rather than the teams that they they, they should be challenging so i mean of course uh, bonato is going to be biased and he's i think he's going to downplay that negative aspect a, a little bit i mean he's not going to throw his own team and himself uh, un, un, under the bus i mean i think uh you know what he's saying from his point of view and in, in his position is reasonable but i mean from the outside I think that uh, obviously a lot of questions are are being asked, and I think that uh, you know I, I think it's fair that uh, people uh, are are doing so. But um, uh, Bonato, I don't know, very difficult uh, position that that team is in, and uh, well, he's also admitted that uh, he's questioned his roles, uh, his role at Ferrari, uh, you know, because of the problems uh, that they they've had uh, early and well in the the first half of the the, the season. I mean. And uh, he was saying in an interview with uh, Carrier de la Serra, apologies for the pronunciation, uh, whether or not uh, he felt like his job at uh, Ferrari was in, in danger. And uh, he said, quote, honestly, never, because I know I have the support of my managers, but I questioned myself. I thought about whether I was suitable for the role of team principal. Um, I could have done better in some areas. For example, the technical reorganization could have been done earlier, but I believe that my 25 years in F1 and the knowledge of this company are key elements to do well in this job, end quote. So, yeah, I mean, uh, sure. I mean, he has the support of his uh, his, his uh, superiors and his managers at, at the moment, but certainly it's going to come down to uh, a question of time. I mean, I, I think he has the benefit uh, of time on his side. I mean, uh, for the moment, I mean, the, the situation everybody is in is, uh, pretty extraordinary 
But at the end of the day, I mean, uh, he's going to be judged on uh, results and uh, Ferrari is not going to be content to sit in this uh, position uh, for a prolonged uh, period of time. And uh, ultimately, uh, you know, that could very well cost him his job. I mean, we, we see that in sports uh, all the time, you know, that uh, you, you see one time a coach or a manager or a player, regardless whatever the, the, the sport is, you know, they, they hit a bit of a rough patch. And then, you know, they, they <laughs> you see the interviews, the comments out in the media, on TV, on uh, on the Internet, in the papers, whatever it is that, uh, you know, the, the, the manager, the president, uh, the owner of the club comes out and says uh, so-and-so is fine. You know, they're doing a good job. This is just a rough patch. You know, what we, he has our full support. And then lo and behold, not too long that thereafter, you know, that, that, that person is uh, shown the door. What uh, that, that magic line in the sand is for Mattia Bonato in terms of, uh, you know, if and when Ferrari management uh, w- would show him the door. Well, only the, uh, you know, only, the, only the big wigs at uh, Ferrari could uh, tell you that uh, the, themselves. But uh, certainly I, I think um, for the time being, he certainly, uh, you know, his, his job is safe, but my, my question is, how long is that uh, going to last? Uh, anyways, uh, just an update on uh, Charles Leclerc. He uh, said that he's uh, suffering no ill effects after his huge crash at uh, Parabolica last weekend. And boy, was that uh, really, really uh, scary to watch. Anyways, Charles had to say, quote, I'm feeling okay. I did some further medical checks on Monday, but everything is okay. I had some back pain after the crash, but already from Monday, I was perfectly fine, uh, end quote. So, you know, that's uh, good to hear because that was, uh, you know, pretty scary. And when you think about it, I mean, that crash that uh, that he had was, uh, I mean, we've seen two big crashes the past uh, two weekends. Uh, the, the weekend before we saw that uh, big accident that uh, that Antonio Giovinazzi had in the Alfa Romeo at uh, at Spa Francorchamps, and very much uh, the the same thing. I mean, coming uh, you know putting the the the, uh, the acceleration down, coming out of the corner, and he lost the car as well. And uh, the, the the consequences in both of those were were pretty scary looking uh, accidents. But uh, fortunately, the, both those guys uh, were okay. Anyways. Uh, Sebastian Vettel just uh, talking uh, about uh, the the Ferrari, um, uh, just uh, the, the team itself. He says that there's no shortcuts to get out of their suffering at uh, at the moment, and that kind of builds uh, a little bit on uh, what I was just uh, talking about just now about uh, Matteo Bonato and the position that uh, that uh, he finds himself in. Anyways, uh, Seb had to say. Quote, there are no shortcuts in life and we are in this position because we probably deserve to be. We are suffering. The whole team is suffering. I am one part of the team. End quote. So, yeah, it's uh, not really all that, uh, you know, positive uh, to hear from uh, Sebastian Vettel. But, uh, you know, they they really do have uh, a lot of work uh, to, uh, to get that uh, team uh, turned around. And uh, Sebastian did go on uh, further in the interview to say that they're focused on that. They still have a lot of races left in the, the in the season. And he says so he's quite uh, he's quite frank and saying if he wanted to, he could he doesn't necessarily uh, have to be at Ferrari right now. But uh, he's he's choosing to be there. And uh, to do his job and uh, try and help the team, which I think is a, a professional and a you know very you know that's what he's uh, being paid to do. Anyways, I don't know if you guys uh, have seen the pictures uh, out there, but the uh, the the livery, the paint scheme that uh, Ferrari is going to be running this weekend for the 1000th uh, Grand Prix at uh, Mugello is absolutely outstanding. This is going to be on the the aptly named SF 1000, and it's going to be uh, raced in the, the the same burgundy shade that, uh, that that was used on the Ferrari 125 cars that uh, Ferrari made the debut in Formula One in 1950. And boy, it looks really, really, really good. I uh, can't wait 
wait to see these cars uh, this weekend. And they're also going to be having a, a special 1000th GP uh, logo on the engine cover. So it looks uh, really, really uh, uh, cool. Um, anyways, so th- this is an interesting one. We're going to switch, uh, uh, change tack a little bit here. A Total Wolf team principal at uh, Mercedes says that uh, his uh, his role within the team is starting to take a toll on him personally, but he's uh, he's committed to stay with the, the, the team uh, next season. So, I mean, uh, obviously there's been a little bit of uh, speculation about uh, Toto's uh, future with the team because um, he's, uh, well, I mean, he's got a, he's got a contract uh, that expires with the Mercedes at the end of uh, 2020, but he's also invested money in, uh, in Aston Martin, which he says is uh, purely a financial uh, thing. It's a personal thing. It's got nothing to do with, uh, you know, his future in Formula One. But of course, people are going to speculate. Comments are going to be made and people are definitely going to um, uh, talk about it. But uh, anyways, um, there is, uh, uh, you know, they have... um renegotiated or changed his uh, his role in the team. It's going to be a slightly different. It's going to give him some freedom not to attend all the races and it's going to allow him to uh, manage his time a, a little bit uh, better. Um, anyways, uh, he's been a pretty uh, he's been pretty frank and saying that he's not interested about leaving Mercedes, but he has uh, he's been also very open and frank uh, that uh, just his role as team principal has uh, really uh, you know starting to wear on him, and that was uh, basically why that initially Initiated the, the the change. Anyways, uh, Toto had to say, "quote I love this team. I get along with Mercedes CEO uh, Ola Kalinus uh, fantastically. I think this is my place. It is just that eight years in this team as team principal are taking its toll, and this is something I'm reflecting on. It is important to take the right decision for my family and myself. But you can be sure that I will be involved in this team in some way or other." End quote. So. I can absolutely imagine, I mean, or imagine that, uh, you know, that, that job, I mean, first of all, it's a very, very high pressure thing. And I think we we just take it for granted that we see the same faces at the same races each and every Sunday that there's a Grand Prix. We expect to see, obviously, all the drivers there. But then uh, the, the way that Formula One is now, we also expect to see uh, a lot of the, uh, the, you know, the team principals and the people that are off the track, in the pits. We expect to see them uh, quite a bit. And obviously, with all the mega success that uh, that Mercedes have enjoyed over the, the, the past number of years, Total Wolf is a guy that we've seen quite a bit of. And uh, also um, in previous years, uh, the the uh, the late Nicky Lauda, rest in peace, was a guy that uh, that we saw quite a bit in his role as non-executive chairman of uh, of Mercedes Benz. So I can imagine, <clears throat> excuse me, just the travel and just the the day to day thing, the nine to five stuff in running a Formula One team and all the things that that must entail. I mean, some of us have stressful jobs. We all go through it at certain times. But I think in an elite organization, an elite racing team like Mercedes Benz, that must just be that 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 is pressure on steroids and all the travel around the world to almost 20 races or 20 plus races as we've seen over the past number of years must be really intense and demanding regardless if you're flying around in cushy first class or business class seats or whatever they or private jets whatever they travel to to and from races in still i mean it it's uh it's got to add up but then, uh, of course, uh, it's not just the running of the team on the track. I mean, he's got a very big job uh, ahead of him uh, in getting uh, Lewis Hamilton to commit it to a new contract. I mean, it would seem like a, a foregone, uh, foregone conclusion, a bit of a, a no-brainer for Lewis Hamilton. I mean, where else is he going to go? I mean, I, I can't see him wanting to hang up his racing gloves and helmet uh, just yet. Uh, you know, Lewis, what, 35 years old? I mean, still, I mean, it's amazing how good and how consistent and how amazing this guy is. 
and uh, he still seems to really enjoy and uh, and love racing in Formula One. So I'm sure that uh, at the end of the day, they'll they'll get it sorted out. But still, I mean, contract negotiations, especially at the top level like that, can't be uh, an easy thing. And uh, we'll see how it goes. And then also... It'll be interesting to see what Toto's new role looks like uh, in the future. Anyways, uh, time for a break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. Well, welcome back to the show and a little bit uh, of follow up on last weekend's uh, Italian Grand Prix and race winner Pierre Gasly. That's uh, still a little bit uh, surreal to say that, but uh, very cool to see a guy get his uh, first win in in Formula One and and very good for him. But uh, he said that uh, he had a phone call from Sebastian Vettel after the the, the Italian Grand Prix to congratulate him uh, on joining what he called the the, the, the F1 Winners Club. And uh, I think that was uh, pretty cool and uh, uh, you know, and uh, and quite a classy move from uh, Sebastian. Anyways, uh, Seb won the same race uh, back in, uh, in in 2008 for uh, what uh, was then uh, Toro Rosso. And uh, that was, uh, well, I mean, that's quite a thing. So Gasly's uh, win came 12 years after Seb's. And uh, in the meantime, uh, Sebastian uh, won four world titles and went on to 38 uh, more wins at, uh, at, at both uh, Red Bull and then also uh, Ferrari, obviously. So, I mean, uh, you know, a, a amazing achievement for Sebastian Vettel. I mean, wh- where does uh, Pierre Gasly go from here? Is that, uh, you know, the, the first of many? I mean, is he is his career on the up? Of course, one race is a, a little bit, uh, you know, can't uh, can't use that uh, to, to really make a judgment, but certainly he did an excellent job. I mean, there were a lot of combinations that really led, led to that, but I mean, in in general, I think that uh, the Gasly's had a pretty good year. I mean, compared him to Alex Albon, the guy that replaced him at uh, at Red Bull last year, he struggled over the, the the opening part of the season. And I think that Gasly's looked pretty solid in the Alpha Tower. He's looked pretty competitive. He's looked he's looked good all season long. And I think this was just a payoff for all the hard work that uh, that uh, he's uh, you know he's put in. Anyways, uh, Gasly had to say, "quote on what's going to change uh, for the future. The moment I don't really think about." all these things i don't discuss anything with them but obviously in toro rosso as seb mentioned it uh, to me on monday when he called me we're the only two to win with this team and he won in 2008 and went with red bull to win four world championships as we know and i'm really happy to have joined him in the winners club for this team we will see the opportunities that there will be in the future but at the moment i just want to take this time to celebrate with alpha Tauri with this team we still have many more races to go until the end of the year we need to make sure we perform at a very high level and the focus is on that at the moment, end quote. I think also that what's really cool is that uh, the, the Honda is really starting to see the pay 
payoff uh, for the the persistence that they've had in Formula One. Because after they they left McLaren a couple of years ago, even though they're going to Red Bull, I was really kind of questioning how long that uh, that they might actually stick in Formula One, how long they might actually want to be here. But uh, I mean, they they did promise that they were going to give uh, Red Bull in 2019 similar performance to what they were getting from Renault the season before, and certainly they did that, and they were rewarded with a couple of wins. They've got uh, two wins so far this year: one from uh, Max Verstappen at Silverstone, and then uh, one from Pierre Gasly. So I, I think it's uh, looking uh, really good for them. But uh, you know, it was he was fortunate the way that the circumstances. Chances uh, played out with the restarts and the red flags and all that. And his teammate, uh, Danny Kvyat, uh, says that the safety car and the red flag uh, timing at Monza presented what was a, a worst case scenario for him personally, but uh, really helped, uh, you know, uh, Pierre Gasly at, uh, you know, uh, put him in the position where that uh, really was, uh, you know, his opportunity to, uh, to win that race. Anyways, uh, Gasly did go on to say that he, he feels like he's ready for a return to the the, the, the main Red Bull uh, team. And as I was saying just now, I think that he's had an excellent start to the season. But, you know, it comes uh, at just about a year after he was demoted, if you will, and sent back to uh, what was Toro Rosso at the time from uh, from Red Bull. But I mean, he looked a little bit out of place at the moment. And I think that in his defense, that even though that, that that he struggled last year with Red Bull and things didn't go the way that uh, obviously he wanted or the team, he was kind of, they the team was kind of forced into that position to to, to bring somebody up, uh, you know, because you had in, uh, you know, in, in, in the previous uh, season, you had uh, Danny Ricardo announced that uh, he was going to be leaving to go Go to Renault, and that was a real that was a real shock. I don't think anybody really expected it because at uh, at the Hungarian Grand Prix in 2018, just before the summer break, I mean, they were basically saying all they needed to do was dot the I's and cross the T's on a new uh, Red Bull contract for, from Danny Rick. And then I still remember it. I was on holiday during the uh, the, the summer break that year, and I was uh, sitting out front of the hotel waiting for the family to come out, uh, so we were going to go out for the day. And I was just uh, scrolling through my timeline on Twitter, and I saw Danny Rick's uh, you know that little video he posted on his uh, on on his Twitter, saying that uh, he was going to Renault, and I I was shocked at the time. Anyways, it it, it broke up what was a, a pretty successful partnership, a, a pretty solid uh, one-two punch with uh, Max Verstappen and Danny Ricardo at Red Bull, but it put Red Bull in a pretty difficult uh, situation. I mean, uh, they they didn't have somebody comparable like Danny Ricardo to put in that uh, car beside. Uh, Max. They didn't have a lot of young drivers uh, with a lot of super license points. And then they had the question, well, what are you going to do? You're going to bring up uh, a Pierre Gasly or Danny Kvyat? And I mean, Kvyat's had his issues in Formula One, obviously. I mean, he's in the same situation that happened uh, with, uh, with, with Pierre Gasly. Although, I mean, nobody in this day and age is going to ever question the switch that they made to, to, to send uh, Gasly back, or sorry, um, uh, Kvyat back to Red, or, uh, Toro Rosso and bring Max into Red Bull. I mean, that story's pretty much written its own, uh, own ending and, uh, and Max, uh, you know, underlined and put his stamp on the team immediately in 2016 by winning the Spanish Grand Prix in his debut for Red Bull. But I mean, just going back to Gasly, I mean, it was a difficult. I mean, you think he was brought into that situation, although he had a, a decent rookie year in, in 2018 for, for Toro Rosso. But I think that uh, just because of the, the larger situation beyond his control that Red Bull found themselves in as, uh, themselves in as an organization, 
that they were almost forced to, to, to put him there. And I mean, he struggled in winter testing. He had an accident. Uh, he crashed at Barcelona and that uh, that really messed up things that were going there. You could just really tell he wasn't really in, he, he never really got into that groove with Red Bull in that first half of the season last year as he did. He looked a lot more comfortable in his rookie year at Tara Russell the year before. And it, it almost seemed like it was a foregone conclusion. And uh, you could see why. I mean, Alex Albon uh, was doing a, a decent, for Toro Rosso at the time, but now I think it really puts them in a you know kind of a tough uh, position because uh, Gasly, like I say, I think he's been very solid through 2020 so far through the races that we've had. Where's uh, Alex Albon? He's he's struggled. I mean, uh, he's obviously not able to uh, be as close in terms of pace and lap times and uh, results, uh, you know, as as Max Verstappen. And it's almost a carbon copy. I mean, Alex Albon in 2020 is pretty much Pierre Gasly in 2019. And so what do they do now? Do they make that 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 switch again? I mean, uh, Christian Horner, the team principal at Red Bull, was just uh, saying, uh, well, just recently, within the last month or two, that uh, that Alex Albon is uh, going to be, uh, you know, it, it's it's not going to happen int- uh, immediately and they're going to have to give him time. Again, you know, as uh, you know, I was talking about uh, Mattia Bonato and uh, Ferrari, but how much time does, do, you know, does, uh, does uh, Albon get in, uh, in the Red Bull uh, before the they they you know they have to start asking some questions there and i think it would be a little bit rash for them to to make another mid-season change and swap him send him back to uh, to alpha tauri and bring up bring up uh, pierre gasly but who knows i mean i i'm not in the inner circle obviously i'm not making the decisions in that organization but it's certainly uh, that pierre gasly is at least giving them something to uh, to, uh, to 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 think about uh, gasly himself had to say quote i think i'm ready but it's uh, not up to me to, uh, to make that call. The only thing I've done since they moved me back to Toro Rosso has been to focus on myself and just show what I can do. When I get the right tools in my hand, I'm really happy uh, that the performance we've shown, I'm not only talking about Brazil, but I think in, uh, generally we've been pretty strong most of the time. We've had some really strong qualifying, uh, really strong races since. We'll see what happens, end quote. And I, I think that uh, Gasly I think he's uh, absolutely uh, doing and saying the right thing. I mean, all he can do is just go in there, take care of what he can take care of himself, go out there, drive, uh, you know, the, the best that he's capable of. And uh, I mean, that Alpha Tauri is, is a decent looking car. It's, it, 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 it seems to be that that combination of Honda and uh, the, the, the Alpha Tauri and, uh, and Pierre Gasly, that's, that's a good package right there. And uh, we, we've uh, certainly seen that uh, the, the, this season. I mean, if you just uh, go over now, uh, just to just pull up the, the, the driver's standings, uh, I mean, Gasly, Gasly's had a, a decent season. I mean, of, of course, he's uh, vaulted up uh, quite a bit in the in the driver standings uh, from where he was. I mean, with uh, twenty five points. I mean, he's uh, he's eighth in the in the in the drivers championship now. I mean, he's only two points uh, behind Charles Leclerc. Charles has uh, forty five. Uh, Gasly is forty three, and he's uh, he's uh, two points ahead of uh, Carlos Sainz. Two points ahead of uh, Danny Ricardo. So I mean, he's uh, in some good company. I mean, he's uh, he's five points uh, off. Uh, you know his uh, you know his rival. Alex Albon, who's got 48, and of course Pierre's uh, uh, points. Like I say, I mean they've come more in a bulk of uh, the, the the race win they had at Monza, whereas Alex has uh, been scoring them uh, more over the uh, the course of the season uh, so far. But uh, you know that that being said, I mean 
Gasly, he can only go out and do what he can take care of. And that's, uh, you know, just to just, just do what he's capable of. And, uh, ultimately it's, it's not up to him and, uh, it, they'll, they'll make a choice. Anyways, let's talk about uh, Renault. They say that they want partners and not customer teams in F1. And I think this is interesting because a couple of years ago when, uh, they, they announced, uh, or Red Bull announced that they'd be switching over to Honda and then Honda came in, there was a lot of you know, a lot more, at least, uh, you know, the way that was being reported was that there was a lot more close uh, cooperation between Honda and Red Bull, the way that the power unit was going into the car. There seemed like there was a lot more synergy between the two parties and it very much, they were just sort of more extensions uh, of another, whereas uh, it seemed like it was, I mean, it was obviously a dysfunctional situation that uh, deteriorated uh, between Red Bull and Renault over the years. I mean, it wasn't just uh, going back to, to, to 2018 to when they decided that they were going to split. I mean, it had been going on, I mean, even go back to as far back as 2014, 2015. I mean, it was maybe not uh, as caustic or maybe it's not as uh, in, inflammatory or uh, the, the way some of the things that uh, Christian Horner was saying, but I mean, he was saying even back in 14 and 15 that, that the, the, the Renault power just wasn't on, on the same levels compared to say Ferrari or Mercedes. And that, that was fine. But I mean, obviously over the years that that relationship uh, soured and it really sounded like there was a different, um, a different relationship between Renault and Red Bull than there was when, when, when Honda came in, it just seemed to, to, to be a lot, uh, you know, a lot closer anyways, but Renault said, um, that, you know, I mean, they don't have, uh, obviously a lot of, uh, customer teams at the moment. And uh, I believe that uh, Beatable have, uh, has said in the past that, uh, you know, that uh, supplying customer teams is something that they don't actually really need to do in Formula One. But they're saying now that they are interested in supplying other teams with their engines in the future, but only if they become what they call a partner rather than a, a straight uh, customer. So one thing is, um, uh, you know, is interesting. Renault are going to be uh, providing uh, engines to the works uh, team, which this is going to be another story. It's going to be renamed uh, Alpine uh, for, for next year. And so uh, the only current uh, customer team they have is a McLaren and they're switching back to Mercedes for 2021. Um, but anyways, uh, Surreal Abitabula, the Renault uh, F1 boss, he said that he's happy at the moment that uh, Renault can uh, focus on themselves for now. Uh, but he says that in the future, if there's an opportunity to uh, to team up with uh, somebody else, he would absolutely uh, welcome it. Uh, anyways, uh, Abitabula has to say, quote, it has to be more of a partner team than a customer team. A customer brings you nothing. A partner can ma- uh, bring you some value, the value being in particular that it can help you in reaching a sporting objective or a business objective. We know that the financial transaction is regulated anyways, so it's mainly from a sporting and technical perspective that we would look at that opportunity, end quote. So it's interesting because Honda's long-term plans in Formula One are still a little bit uh, undecided. Uh, They're only committed until the end of next year. So, I mean, it is not beyond the, the, the realm of possibility that after next year, Red Bull and Alva Tauri may need to find a new engine supplier for the for for the long term anyways uh, a beatable he's he's actually he's he's kind of tempering that uh, that prospect um, of uh, a renewal of uh, red bull is unlikely but uh, you know he did go on to say quote red bull is a works team with honda i think the first thing is for honda to decide uh, for their own commitment for their own strategy in the sport we've been there with red bull it didn't work end quote so who knows? Uh, I mean, uh, it, it is very, very interesting. 
it uh, you know it it really could, but I mean it'd be very Formula One, right? That uh, that after they have such an acrimonious uh, split uh, between Renault and Red Bull, and then Honda come in, and then they they have a, a good partnership that. It would be really unfortunate for for Red Bull and for Alpha Tauri if they decided to leave. And then, well, I mean, there aren't really very many other engine options in Formula One at the moment. If Renault decided, okay, well, we don't want to go down that road again with with Red Bull, but ultimately, I suppose if they could, uh, you know, iron out uh, the, the the issues that they've had in the past, and uh, you know, they could become more partners rather than a, than the straight customer team where they're Red Bull saying, okay, well, we're buying your engines, you know, put them in the back of our car if they can get that same relationship then then who knows but it would be really difficult I, I mean i don't even know in just uh, terms of uh, supplying power units to, to other teams what sort of uh, limitations uh, teams or the the manufacturers like uh, uh, mercedes and uh, and uh, ferrari have but certainly i think from the from formula one points uh, points of view is uh, they would be better i think that uh, they, they would like to see more engine manufacturers in formula one and uh, i think it'd just be uh, good for the sport but again uh, that uh, remains uh, to, to be seen anyways uh, time for another break here on the overtime media network don't go away we're going to be talking about uh, renault in uh, after the break so uh, come right back All right, well, welcome back to the show. And uh, as I was saying just uh, before the break, uh, Renault is uh, rebranding the, uh, the 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 works team to uh, Alpine, which is uh, what uh, their their CEO uh, Luca De Meo says is not uh, about trying to revive their their past uh, glories. Uh, Alpine as a team uh, really had their their most famous victories in the 1970s, which included a victory at Le Mans. And uh, De Meo says that uh, the change is not about uh, nostalgia. He says it's an important step to, to plot a totally different uh, direction for the Alpine brand, which uh, Renault uh, resurrected uh, as a company in, in 2017. Anyways, uh, DeMeo say, said, quote, when I entered the company, I saw Alpine as a brand as a very nostalgic thing. Uh, nostalgia is okay, but I think we need to look at the future, not looking at 60 years ago or 50 years ago. If there is a fit, if there's a business opportunity, because that's what we're trying to do right now, then it's kind of a change, a little bit of approach to the Alpine story. Uh, end quote. So yeah, yeah, that's interesting, but I, I think it's kind of cool that uh, they're uh, reviving it. Uh, anyways, uh, he did go on to say, "quote We want to see results here in F1 sooner than we'll be able to see in uh, the Alpine company. I think the Alpine spirit will uh, give it, let's say, a boost. And I also know that even if uh, Renault is uh, a glorious brand, I think that the fit within Formula One uh, world of Alpine is even better. It can be even better. I am a big believer that Formula One should be a championship of constructors with brands that make people dream, with the connection possibly between racing on." Sunday and selling on Monday. So with a connection that the customers uh, can touch on the street, looking at Ferraris, Mercedes, and the glorious names like Williams and Aston Martin next year, it's good for the sport, end quote. So interesting. It's kind of, uh, I, I don't know, I mean, it's kind of like a branding thing more than anything else, but uh, certainly it's kind of cool to, to see you come back. Uh, anyways, uh, let's talk a little bit more. There's uh, lots coming out uh, this week about uh, some of the things that we've seen uh, with uh, the, the Williams family leaving their team after over four decades in the sport after the the recent save uh, sale to Darrelton Capital. Anyways, uh, the new owners said that uh, they wanted uh, Claire Williams, who has been the deputy uh, team principal over the past uh, several years, to remain involved in the Formula One team, but uh, she felt it was actually uh, the, the what she called the right choice uh, to, uh, to leave rather than uh, stay on. She's been the team principal uh, since 2013, and she's been in charge of the day-to-day operation. And, uh, well, I mean, her, her, her dad 
had Sir Frank Williams. I mean, obviously he's getting up there a bit in terms of age, but he's still been officially on the books as team principal. Um, anyways, um, Darrelton Capital, uh, they announced uh, that the, 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 the family was leaving and uh, they said they fully respect uh, that what they call the very uh, tough decision of uh, Williams to, 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 to walk away from the team and just uh, make a, a clean cut. Anyways, uh, Claire, uh, Claire Williams had to say, quote, there were a lot of rumors swirling around in spa about my tenure with the team. Darilton, I'd like to make it clear, wanted me to stay. This was my decision. I felt uh, it was the right choice for me to step away. There will be a period of transition. This is obviously going to be my last race weekend, but I'm going to be working a few days per week over the course of the next few weeks in order to hand over, in order to talk to Darilton about the team, the inner workings of the team, and the expertise they need to come in. Uh, they're in the business already. They're doing their due diligence. They're reviewing the uh, capabilities and they're looking at what uh, they can do in order to invest into the business. I will be helping them uh, uh, with that to, to advise over the coming weeks, end quote. So interesting that uh, that that option was there and uh, she's uh, decided uh, not to walk away but uh, there's um, you know been some changes they've uh, also announced that uh, their CEO uh, uh, Michael Driscoll has uh, announced his intention to retire following the sale of uh, Williams to uh, Derilton uh, Capital so the, I mean there's a lot of changes uh, happening uh, off the track so you know it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, in terms on the track I mean it's going to take a while I mean there's still several seconds uh, off the page but they've also announced uh, an interim uh, team principal, and that is uh, Simon Roberts. Uh, he will be uh, what, he's going to be the ten, uh, team principal for what they call the transition period. Uh, what with uh, Claire Williams uh, stepping down and will be uh, leaving uh, completely in the in the short uh, term. So it's going to be uh, obviously a, a very transitional uh, you know period uh, for the team, and they got a lot to, to, to sort out. But it'll be interesting to see who you know who who comes in, who becomes the full time who becomes the the, the replacement uh, for uh, you know, Claire Williams and uh, you know just other uh, you know other changes that they make I mean if you look at uh, what what uh, McLaren has done and uh, I know that uh, I talk about them uh, quite a bit that uh, they, they are for me are the, a bit of the gold standard I mean the way that uh, Zach Brown has come in and has made some very important and you know key personnel decisions uh, over the past uh, several years and uh, look at where they've uh, gone I mean uh, you know you, you saw under the like what was the real low point uh, with when, when Eric Boulier was there and uh, they had the Honda engines. Then you see guys come in like James Key, Andreas Seidel. I mean, then you've got uh, Jill DeFerrin, who's like the sporting director. I mean, you see all these uh, people appointed to very key positions within the uh, w- within the organization. And uh, I think that, uh, that 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 is a very you know good sign of a very good manager. Right? You know, somebody that uh, you know, knows enough that uh, knows enough about the business, but knows that he has to uh, get the right people in there to to handle very specific specific roles and obviously he's gone in done his research done his uh, his homework and uh you know identified the key areas within the team and then has gone out and recruited those people uh specifically to to, to come in and uh, you look at it, i mean uh, uh mclaren still obviously not uh, challenging for for um race wins on uh, on a regular basis. I mean, they were last weekend. Uh, Carlos Sainz, if he had five more laps, who knows? Maybe he was going to be uh, the the one that won at Monza. But they certainly are trending in the right uh, direction. And uh, certainly, uh, like, like I say, they are the gold standard uh, in, in recent times uh, that others can, can look to. Anyways, let's just uh, start to wrap up the show now. Let's uh, look a little bit now towards uh, Mugello. Obviously, this is a, a new one. Uh, we, we don't see Formula One here at all. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's 
known more obviously for uh, MotoGP. So let's. I'm just going to give you some uh, some some stats here. So it's uh, you know it's as a 3.259 mile long uh, course. It's uh, or 5.245 kilometers, 15 turns. Uh, the the race lap records uh, you know <laughs> is a uh, one minute 34.316, and that was set by uh, Gary Hauser for Racing Experience 2014. And uh, obviously that is not uh, Formula One, but still it is uh, you know something that uh, I think is going to be very cool to see the way that uh, that they've uh, you know really put that to, together i mean uh you know that it is um it it is been a very strange year and the fact that uh, we, we are still going to have a close to a full schedule that uh, that we could expect with a couple of uh, additions to, uh, to to the calendar that we didn't really uh, expect to see uh, in terms of uh, tracks like uh, Mugello I think is uh, you know, very very cool I mean uh, Scuderia Ferrari they own the team they test there obviously that's going to give them a, a bit of a bonus and uh, it's it's going to be fun to watch I mean it's going to be the first ever Formula One race there and uh, it's 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 going to be very cool I mean uh, if you look at the track uh, layout. I mean, uh, there's a very, very long start finish uh, straight away. There's some very cool, very fast uh, corners on it. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun uh, to watch. I mean, like I was saying at the top of the show, go out there, uh, go to formula1.com, check out that lap uh, around Mugello with uh, with Charles Leclerc. It's really cool. I mean, if you look at the weather, it's uh, on Saturday afternoon, about uh, race time. It's uh, looking to be about uh, a low to mid 80s Fahrenheit, about 28, in between 28 and 30 degrees uh, centigrade. Uh, there's going to be uh, no rain forecast, so I think uh, you know the conditions are looking uh, really, really good. And the the cool thing is too. We're actually going to see people in the stands for the first time in 2020. I mean, obviously, social distancing and sporting events behind closed doors have been part of the COVID environment that we've been uh, you know, living through the, the the past number of months. But uh, it, it's good to see that uh, even though it's a very small amount of uh, people that are going to be limited to, to a couple of grandstands in the area, it's great to see that we're actually going to see people back there for uh, you know for for the races. And uh, you know, I, I'm going to get to it in in, uh, in a minute here but it's cool because uh, you know they were talking uh, earlier this uh, you know the, the, this summer that they were targeting uh, the, the the Russian Grand Prix at the Sochi Autodrome uh, at the end of uh, the, the month I mean that doesn't go until the 25th of uh, September that weekend that was when they were targeting getting fans back into the stand so it's a uh, cool that even though it's a very small only a couple thousand people were going to see that anyways uh, Max Verstappen says that uh, he uh, expects a bit of a better Tuscan Grand Prix at uh, Mugello for Red Bull, and uh, he he feels that uh, well, it couldn't get any worse than it did for for Monza, and that was a very disappointing uh, race uh, for Max. I mean, the, the end result, uh, the the race itself was cool. I mean, uh, it, it was great to see. I mean, obviously the the, the pandemonium, the way that things got flipped around uh, because of the red flags and the safety cars and all that, uh, certainly uh, you know it had a lot to to, to to do with it. And the time uh, penalty that uh, Lewis Hamilton was uh, slapped with uh, that that all just kind of added to the to the chaos and. Uh, in mayhem, but I mean, Max, I mean, he uh, just uh, wasn't competitive uh, all weekend on. Uh, anyways, he was asked about uh, his prospects for Mugello this weekend at the Tuscan Grand Prix, and Max had to say, quote, I definitely think it can't be any worse than Monza. It will be better, and I think we should be on uh, back in a decent place behind uh, Mercedes. It's a new track, of course, so we will have to see how first the car is set up. For sure, we'll have to make a few changes to that, but overall, I'm quite confident that we can have a positive weekend, end quote. So, there you go. Uh, hopefully 
hopefully we, we you know we're going to see that and uh, this was kind of cool too uh seven-time MotoGP uh champion uh, Valentino Rossi said that he's very jealous of the uh, the F1 drivers that are going to uh, get to uh drive and race at uh, Mugello this uh, weekend uh and he says that uh, he he thinks that the, uh, the the drivers are really going to enjoy racing there the, the this weekend i mean uh MotoGP has been uh, going to uh, uh Mugello since uh, 1994 um anyways MotoGP um has uh, actually canceled their races uh or their race there this uh, year because of uh Mugello, or, sorry because of uh of covid uh anyways um uh, Valentino actually did test a Formula One car there uh, back in 2008 and he said that the experience was absolutely incredible and then uh, he said that uh, the, the the section going uh, downhill into Casanova and the Savelli uh, right-left uh, turn uh, 6 and 7 and the, the two Arabiata right-handers uh, that follow that uh, is going to be absolutely uh, unbelievable is uh, his word in a, in a Formula One car. Anyways, uh, Rossi had to say quote, I'm very jealous especially because we don't go, we don't race in Mugello this year uh, for me and for a lot of riders is one of the best tracks in the world with a motorcycle and also with the cars I drove the Ferrari Formula 1 car two times at Mugello and it was incredible one time was also in the wet and it was unbelievable especially with Casanova Savelli Ariabata 1 Ariabata 2 in Ariabata 2 you go uh, flat in a Formula 1 car at 275 kilometers an hour and it's completely blind because in a Formula 1 car you're very low compared to MotoGP so you don't see the exit I think they will enjoy it and I'm very curious to follow Formula 1 on Sunday. I think that the track is a bit narrow for the cars that are very big, but I think everyone will enjoy Mugello a lot. So yeah, it's going to be very, very cool. Really looking forward to this one. I think that just the fact that uh, Ferrari tests there, I think that, uh, you know, obviously uh, Leclerc and uh, Vettel are going to know this one. But uh, they're all going to get a chance to, uh, to to practice on it, obviously. But uh, you have to think uh, that the fact that this is a Ferrari-owned track and uh, they, they know it is going to be uh, a benefit uh, for them. But uh, obviously, they, <laughs> they they don't have a competitive car, so in, until they do, it doesn't seem uh, likely that they're they're going to be uh, uh, you know challenging uh, for for a victory here. And again, I mean, uh, Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes have been the the, the class of Formula One this year, and uh, we expect uh, more of the same uh, the, the, this. Uh, this weekend but who knows if uh, we see some mayhem like we've seen throughout the year this year that uh, things uh, can be different so we'll just have to wait and see i'm keeping a, a completely open mind to this one and very much uh, looking forward uh, to watching it on uh, sunday anyways uh, just before i go here um as i was saying uh, that uh, we're going to see fans in the stands at mugello this weekend but uh, imola uh, that goes on halloween weekend at the end of uh, october they are hoping to sell up to thirteen thousand tickets for the race uh, when they when they uh, you know get there in a couple of uh, well just uh, about a month and a half time and uh, so the the in addition to the tickets that are going on sale to the public, uh, they're going to actually hope to cater for up to 500 paddock club guests, plus 500 guests uh, from local sponsors, and also 300 additional guests from the local regional authorities. So, you know, that's uh, be cool to see. Anyways, uh, Uberto uh, Silvatico uh, Intense told Motorsport.com, quote, it will be an extraordinary and legendary event for those who love F1. We are proposing different solutions about parking in order to organize access to, to the grandstands in a different way. We'll use the grandstands of the circuits, all the grandstands of the circuit, pardon me. Uh, we're planning to use the three empty seats uh, between groups of people in order to maintain social distancing. 
Considering the spectators will be in the grandstands, located in open air, it will be really safe for everybody. So we're working on blocks of 1,000 people each, and each block will have its own parking. And this way, we think we'll be able to control and secure everything from the health point of view, end quote. So really hope that they can pull it off, and it'd be cool to see because... You know, the Formula One, I think, has worked in in terms of uh, being able to uh, get the races done. But it, uh, you know, I never get completely used the, to, to the fact that, uh, that, that there aren't fans in the stand, especially last weekend of all weekends at Monza. No Tifosi, no smoke, no people going crazy, all the flags and everything like that. And all the celebrations and the people having uh, a big party and celebrating at start, finish straights and in any, and at any time and after any race, uh, but especially after last year when Charles won, uh, it was just, it was strange to see it uh, so empty. Anyways, that is it for me uh, this weekend. Uh, thank you very much in downloading and listening to the show. If you want to get in touch, of course, as always, you can do so by sending me email at scuderiaf1pod at gmail.com or on Twitter at scuderiaf1pod. And that's it. That's a wrap. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the, the, uh, the, the, the race. And we'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now. for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.